With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This one. Oh, and don't forget this one. Uh, that one. Recording this one. Okay, okay. We are back live with Brain Food from the Heartland of Louis B. Free Radio Show Orchestration. You've heard me talking about this. Sandra Anderson um, is my guest. Good morning to you. Good morning. How are you, Louis? I am well. How about you? I'm great. The, I'm grateful. What what a incredible life you've had. What an incredible story you've got. I am very blessed, and um, I realize that, especially after writing the book and getting that bird's eye view of my whole life. So I realize. You know, I, I my tendency is to say. To, what, my, what I generally do is I'll say, so tell me about yourself, and then we get into the book. But telling me about yourself is the book. Yeah. So <laughs> at, at what point did you decide to write orchestration? The point I guess I decided to write was um, I'd been doing just snippets for years of just little things that had happened and things that I didn't want to forget. So... Probably within the last couple of years, especially finding my birth mother's family, which I never fathomed. And when that happened, I said, okay, that is the the major thing that was orchestrated that blindsided me in a great way. And so that's when I decided to go ahead and put all those those little journal journaling things that I did together and go ahead and do the memoir. And see, for years, I'm thinking I'm first generation for my children on their maternal side so I've done a children's book and uh, at this point I wanted to go ahead and continue to do something for a legacy purpose so that event in my birth uh, my birth mother's family finding me was definitely something that catapulted me to go ahead and just write it so uh, let's talk about your, your birth mother's family if you would well, um, what's interesting is that um, I still don't know when I was born. I know I was born in, in South Korea. Um, I assumed I was in the area of Masan, which is close to Pusan, which is now called Busan. But um, I was uh, in South Korea and abandoned at some point. Uh, I found out later on in my life that I was found tied to a tree. Yeah. And um, so, and I thought, oh, how horrible. How could anybody do that? But I realized that was an act of love. You know, I didn't wander off and I was obviously tied near where sympathizers were. So that was when I remembered being in the first orphanage. And um, uh, a Christian or uh, Christians uh, from um, Cresswell, Oregon. They were introduced by World Vision to uh, look at what was going on with the the ravages of the Korean War and the casualties of war, which were the children. And so they looked at it and they said, okay, well, we're wealthy and we've been very blessed, so we're going to 
sponsor eight children. And they felt like there was just more that they could do besides send money and send care packages. So they decided to go and adopt eight children. And when they came to Korea in the early 50s and saw the casualties included, especially all of us who were mixed blood, half white or half African-American, and uh, it was hard for them to just take their own and not wonder what's going to happen with us. So, yeah. So anyway, as far as my birth mother, like I said, I never fathomed finding her. The only, I always remembered being with a boy. In the book, I call him Sonyeon because I've forgotten his name, and that's what boy means in Korean. And I remember just a glimpse of a woman with red lipstick, a beautiful Korean woman with red lipstick. And so she's always been, not that I could just visualize her face, but I always remembered a woman with red lipstick. Wow. Because I got in trouble because I tried to take the lipstick. I saw the little shiny tube, and I tried to get it. And that was my last memory of her. So all these years, I've never fathomed trying to find her. I've had friends who were also Korean adoptees who did try to go back, and and it was not so good because it was uh, just major disturbance to their life and their family, especially if they didn't tell anyone. So I said I never wanted to do that. I'm I was satisfied that I'm alive and that I'm here, and and obviously wherever I was tied, it was in the right spot. So um, about. 2018, a young lady, I I joined Ancestry on 2017 and didn't have much luck at all. And that was for the purpose of finding my black side, thinking, wow, I'm I'm in the United States of America, so I should, you know, hit the bullseye here. But um, did not get many people to respond to me once they found out I was adopted. So uh, I just kind of gave up on it. And a year later, a young lady in March contacted me, and it was interesting because I was in a in a church play. I was uh, I was in my drama ministry for years, and we were doing uh, a play during that time for Passover. And wow. someone contacted me while I was doing the the last dress rehearsal through email. I checked my email and I said, whoa, this looks a little deep. I don't want to get into this too much or I won't remember my lines. And I had already ruined it at that point. I couldn't remember my lines. (laughs) So um, anyway, that night I responded to her and she was telling me, because she's half Korean and half black. And uh, she said that uh, her father, who's still alive, who was a, a, a GI in the in the latter half of the 1950s, um, had married her mom, and she's half Korean and half black, but her father's older brother was known for leaving offsprings kind of throughout the world of the United States. So he just assumed that I'm probably one of his offsprings. And so they were thinking that I'm related on the black side. Uh, So everything seemed to go in that direction, and I'm pretty pleased at that point because that's the first time in a year that someone has actually responded and actually claimed me as a relative you know so um, she sent some pictures before our call ended and it was pictures of her and her mom but she sent me a picture of her young mother in her teenage years 
and that just startled me. It was a beautiful woman with red lipstick, and I just yeah. shuddered. After all these years, it just made me think, oh, my God, this lady could be my mother. And so that next morning, I called myself texting my daughter about what happened and how I felt and how I couldn't sleep overnight. And during that time, I was principal. I No, I just retired from being principal of a non-traditional high school where children had second, third, fourth chances or whatever to you know get their lives together and get their diplomas. So I had a daycare there. So I had plenty of 16, 17-year-old moms. And I said, she would have been about 16 or 17, so she could have been my mother. So I'm thinking I'm texting this to my daughter, and I accidentally sent it to the young lady who had texted me the night before. So at least I'm assuming, I'm, I, or I'm calling it an accident, but obviously it was an orchestration. It was meant to go yeah. to her. So, of course, that opens a can of worms. Can you yeah. imagine yeah. her I, father's I, alive? He had been with her mother for 50-something years. They never told him anything about me. They are very conservative, wonderful family. So that caused a lot of, you know, commotion in their family, that that their wonderful mother had a child before them about eight to ten years older than, than the other siblings. And so so the father was wonderful. He said, okay, well, do whatever you need to do wow. to prove it. Yeah. So anyway, that's what happened. We took another DNA test, and it proved that I was related to them only on the Korean side, that I am a half-sibling. So I felt like that was a major orchestration. And I had just oh, yeah. lost my son, my firstborn son. So that was it. That's a whole other story <laughs> that I can get into of why I felt like all of this was an orchestration. Do, do you want to tell us now? Go ahead. Oops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I lost my son right before all this happened. He was, it was a week before his 34th birthday um, and he had a a hypertensive hemorrhage a stroke like a stroke and so 19 days of being in a coma and he passed away so that was just extremely hard just just something that unexpectedly happened and um, so the a year after he passed away or two years to the date that he passed not that he passed away but that he had the event it was on June 6 20. 16 that his hemorrhage happened so uh on uh, june 6 2018 i had already met yvette and we were still in that proving stage of, of taking dna tests because we had to take a special test called a mitochondrial dna for on the mother's side and um anyway so the results come exactly on that day june 6 2018 I'm about to get on the freeway and I see my email pop up so I pull over and I'm looking at that where it says it's 99 point something percent that we are half siblings and immediately I had a vision as clear as day and I'm not a cuckoo person I think everybody sees me as a very sane person but I had a vision of my birth mother holding my son and they both were just jumping up and down of this union of, of her family and my family getting together. And she looks at me and says, I'm giving him the love I couldn't give to you. 
And I'm telling you, I just started boohooing because it was oh, such God. a reconciliation. First of all, just seeing my son in the arms of somebody that, you know, and then also that my birth mother's letting me know that, you know, she loved me and she's given him the love that she couldn't give to me. So I was just, uh, <laughs> I was a wreck in a good way that day. Yeah, in a good way. And then also my birth, uh, my, my half-sister told me something happened to them also exactly the same time. Their mother had passed in 2010, and so... Her husband has still kept the house exactly the way she left it. And she had these plants she had been having for decades. They said for over 40-something years. Then, then immediately when they got the results, the plant just fell over. It was a plant that was all the way to the ceiling and it just fell over. So I felt like she was just getting our attention to let us know, this is an orchestration that we made happen, you know. So anyway, that's, you know. That's my cuckoo thing, but I believe it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you say a cuckoo thing, and I, I because I believe it too. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've, uh, I'm not comparing, but I've had experiences in, in my life, and people say, mm-hmm. will say, well, why are you faithful, or why are you this, or, or why, you know, mm-hmm. um, that 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 I'm I'm I am because I I know because right. you know you know <laughs> you know that people, you know yeah you know that you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry that they don't. I right. guess is is the, the yeah. best way. But when you right. think about all of that as an orchestration, again, the, the title of the book, it's got to be really the 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 process again of writing it. Sandra had to be incredibly what emotive. I mean, I I uh, I can't, of course, can't imagine what that was mm-hmm. like for you. But it had to be extremely powerful, actually putting it, yeah. putting it, you know, actually, you know, to think about things, to, to talk about things um, can be very, very powerful. To yeah. remember things can be very powerful, but to actually put them down and then send them off into the world for the rest right. of us to read. Was, <laughs> yeah. Tell me a little bit more well, about what that was like. It's, it's, it's definitely an emotional roller coaster. You know, I said God should have just, you know, given us. Seatbelts or whatever. Hold on, it's going to be a wild ride. It is a wild ride. It is a wild ride, and uh, so it has been an emotional roller coaster. I definitely felt the joys and the pains of everything that I have lived through. So when you when you write, and especially when you write with um, the intensity of just wanting your reader to be right there with you, you want them to. To see what you see, feel what you feel, smell, touch, taste, everything. So when you put that into it, uh, you're right there, all reliving it all over again. So I've relived the joys and the laughter and the tears and, and the pains. So it, it, it is definitely something that caused me to reflect. Like I said, I've had that, that bird's eye view of my life uh, after doing the book. And um, I also did was selected to do the audio, and so so many people have um, have told me about just how they were right there with me. And so even right now, if I turn on the audio, as many times as I've heard maybe or read the chapter or know the story, I'm still emotional right there with with listening to the story. So it is something that it's uh, it's it's a, definitely a release. And at the same time, it does um, uncover wounds. It, it's, it helps you with reconciliation. It helps you to confront things about yourself. 
So it 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 was uh, uh, someone um, described it as peeling off the scab, you know, peeling off the wound of a scab. So the, one thing to write it again, and I I have not written a book nor have I done an audio book, so easy for me to say, but writing it has to be very powerful. Reading it, obviously, out loud, because it's the audio. You can't just read it in your head and have them scan your brain, right? Maybe someday, maybe someday, but not not yet. But doing that, what was that experience like for you, Sandra? That was, you know, it was wonderful. I really, really enjoyed it, and... I had a great engineer, and you know that it's working when the engineer gets emotional. And at some That's point, a good point. Or something where the engineer, you know, could relate to something, or we, where we had to stop and do it over because you know we both had to wipe some tears, you know. So, so it was a great experience. I I, I really was shocked that I was even chosen, selected, because usually a Screen Actors Guild. Uh, people who are selected for doing that and um, so I was grateful that I was selected to do that and you know who doesn't know your story better than you do and can put the emphasis where it should be and uh, I mean you know it's it was a great experience I I agree and I I had a I had a, a A great guy on a couple months ago that does that that that, that's done i i can't remember how many hundreds of audio books he's done and that's what he does but again Mm -hmm. i've got to believe and and obviously he does it very very well he's very very successful at it but to you you you're not you know he's not that person again he's done it and the, the one that he was talking about for me and not not to belabor it too much but it was uh the, the author had it was deceased etc cetera, etc cetera. but like you say you know where the emphasis is you know it it's your story mm-hmm. no one can tell it better than you right yeah yep there is one part too that i wanted to share with you talking about an orchestration you remember the game show joker's wild yes i do Okay, so one of my chapters is called Joker's, Joker's Wild. Wild. One of the the major things, um, I would say, I guess the premise of my whole book was that my first five years impacted the rest of my life. Of just you know, being an orphan, being a don- abandoned, a um, couple of orphanages, and then culture shock from Korean to African American. Um, so... The major thing that happened when I came to the United States was I was adopted by African-American parents in Compton, California. You know, yeah. everybody has this view of Compton, Compton. but Compton yeah, was a great a, You write about it in the book orchestration. It's a great yeah. community, yes. Yeah. So anyway, but one thing, and I never understood why, but my birth mother, even though she allowed me to, because I spoke the language when I came here, so I was asked to go to the airport and and help meet other adoptees who were afraid and 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 just needed someone to comfort them so i spoke the language i was able to do that i used to go to picnics of other uh, adoptees and then all of a sudden she stopped it she said think of korea as a bad word never mention it again and i'm thinking i was maybe about eight nine years old and so i was very obedient I didn't understand and I wanted to understand, but she never gave any explanation. So I could not, it's like I had to give up my culture, give up who, you know, was a part of my identity. 
So I went for years that way. And after I graduated from college, I uh, went with uh, my boyfriend during the time. He was um, he was auditioning. No, he was actually reporting the Joker's Wild. So I'm just sitting in the waiting area for him. And uh, someone comes and says, why don't you be on the show? And I was like, no, thank you. I'm just not that type. And so she begged and begged me, and I finally agreed to it. I didn't know I was going to be on right then and there. Yeah. So the PR person comes and just looks at me, didn't ask me anything. He said, Korean War, baby, huh? And <laughs> turns around and keeps going. So I, I was like, hmm, you know, I didn't get a chance to respond. So when I, uh, they put me in the, in the um, seat for the actual show, I'm being introduced. And here's Sandra Henderson from Seoul, Korea. And so for all these years, I had lived in this code of silence about, you know, who I am, where I'm from, or whatever. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be on national TV. I can't tell my family. So I didn't tell my family, didn't tell my mother especially, because she was the main one that had that edict. And uh, I dodged that bullet. So two years later, I'm living in Las Vegas, Nevada, in my first teaching job. And... um, it was Columbus Day, 1976, uh, and I came home to visit uh, my family. I'd been away for about four months, and that was the longest period I'd ever not seen them. So I was really excited to see my family. So I said, Daddy, give me the key. When he picked me up, and, and I said, give me the key so I can open the door. I want to see Mama. I put the key in, Louie. I turned, turned the knob. And I'm here. And here's Sandra Henderson from Seoul, Korea. As I am walking in the door, I'm being introduced. And my mother is sitting in front of the TV. So that was the turning point of my life that day. It was it was terrible. We had a terrible weekend because my mother didn't talk to me at all. Uh, she was so hurt by that, by seeing that on national TV. But it was finally the release that I needed you and I was it. hoping that we were going to be able to at least talk through it and we never did that was something in the book too that I realized as I wrote yeah. that that yeah. wow we never, never. reconciled yeah. that we never had, had the opportunity but that was a freedom and that was an orchestration for you, you yeah. know, two yeah. years afterwards for that to happen so I've got a, the, the mods when you wrote about the Joker's Wild the mod squad right oh yeah yeah <laughs> do you wanna, I thought that was really cute do you want to or yeah, they are. Um, matter of fact, I'm in touch with them right now. So I had two groups that I'm very close with. My Stanford group, we call the SOS. We were the Sisters of Stern. Um, and then in my graduate study uh, at USC, University of Southern California, I was with a team. And I called us the Mod Squad because, uh, you know, the Mod Squad had, you would say, one white, one black, and one blonde. Yeah. Well, we had one white, one black, one Asian, and I was the mixed one. Yeah, so I that's call great. us the Mod Squad, but and we are still together after all these decades right now. Uh-huh. So, uh, other than, uh, I'm sorry, we also had one Hispanic, and she's she's the only one that has passed of our uh-huh. group already. Yeah. So yeah, that's the Mod Squad. I've, I've got to say, one of the things when you talk about reconciling and and working things out, and something that. You know, um, I, 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 
always say to, to younger people, try to obviously minimize regret, but, mm-hmm. you know, find things out, get things, you know, if, if there's a recipe, don't expect it to be written down, go with it, cook it, you know, write it down, make notes right. if, if it's somebody so you have it, um, reconcile with people, work things out while you're here, mm-hmm. um, don't wait till it's too late is my line, don't wait till it's too late. You know, and I because I think about the things you know just in, in my life and in my you know what I and and my father died thirty years ago and just things that I would as I'm as I got older things I I wish I would have asked him things that right. that that died with him that I'll never know and my mom just just things and now's the time while we're we're yeah. here right which. Right. And orchestrated. I'm going to take from the, your title, orchestration. Orchestrated. Get it. Get it done. Be persistent. Right. right? Don't you? Yeah. I. Oh, you are hitting such a point there. I had a, have a girlfriend, and she just hated her father. And um, you know, and and I, uh, I used to always tell people, especially when they are, you know, having that type of conflict with with family members and and and, and friends or whatever of just taking into consideration who that person is, what when they were raised, who they were raised by, the influence as far as what makes them who they are. Because, of, you know, you have to take so much into consideration before judging and just totally yeah. shutting off t- to people. And so it, it is very, very important for reconciliation, uh, like you said, uh, as far as just wanting to know and love the person for who they are and not blaming them for um, I, I, something I made all my staff read every year we began school as children learn what they live because that's who you are based on your environment and, and the influences in your life and so um, I just feel that it's very very important to know the circumstances of what makes a person who they are before you judge before you and judge. you just shun yeah you know, and, and it's uh, um, not to get too far off on this, but, you know, it's too often in the, I'll say media, social media, w- w- certain cable news channel, whatever, uh, all, all of them make, make, would make people feel very, very divided. Yeah. When we're, we're not, you know, I, I just don't, you know, when you, if you, there's a great song, Stop Watching the News. Uh, the News Contrives to Frighten You, It Makes You Feel Small and Afraid, etc., etc. It's an older song. It's not a new, it's, it's a couple of decades ago. It's, it's actually a, a guest of mine that turned me on to it. Hmm. It's called, the name of the song is Spent the Day in Bed. But <laughs> Stop Watching the News. And I, you, you think about it, and you have a certain perception, and when you're out in the world, that's not the experience, that's not my experience. It's, you know, um, I've said this many times on the show, Sandra, that I don't know if it's COVID, my age, or a combi- or a hybrid, that the little interactions that I have out in the world these days are so meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. They're so they're okay. precious. Just little, yeah. you know, the one I, I always talk about is I was coming out of a store in the city. New city, and a lady yelled out, and I had, my hair was was blowing, and I had I had my a tie, one of my many tie dye I love my library T shirts on, and she yelled. She said, "Are you from Hawaii?" And I turned around, you know, smiled. I said, "Ma'am, if I was from Hawaii, what would I be doing here? <laughs> Why would I be here?" We ended up having this 
wonderful conversation. My guess is I will never see her. I hope I, I run into her someday. Mm-hmm. We spoke yeah. for, I don't know, five, ten minutes where we laughed, we talked. We, you know, just these little interactions with mm-hmm. the strangers that we have, a little yeah. politeness that pe- right. of people, someone letting you in in traffic and, and yeah. you wave to them and just li- little things. Um, right. We're, we, that, that's my experience. Yes, yeah. there's bad people out there. Yes, there certainly are. There's hate-filled people out there. Right. But that's not most of us, right? right. Isn't that your right. thing? I just had this same experience. I uh, went to my 50th Stanford reunion. Wow. And as a freshman, now, like <laughs> I said, my culture, I guess, inundation from being in an all-Korean environment to an all-black environment. So I grew up in, in yeah. 99% black demographics as far as Compton and then to go to Stanford I was in culture shock of I I, I described my experience that first football game that's what was a part of our orientation freshman orientation was I felt like uh, in an orange in a barrel of apples or a speck of of black pepper in a crater of salt and I was just frightened like oh my god am I good enough am I good enough to be here at this place so I didn't I had a, uh, as a matter of fact, my uh, my roommate was a black roommate, but I lived in a predominantly white dorm, and um, she was from Ohio, and um, so she and I got along very well, but I, we kind of stuck with our group. I talked about the SOS. It was a few black girls that was in, in that dorm, and we're still very much together. But this year, because it was our 50th in 2020 and COVID kept us from going to our reunion, um, a one of our doormates, Lynn Cremon, who's just become a wonderful dear friend now, that I didn't get to know in the dorm, decided to do a Zoom for us to just get together and re- reacquaint with ourselves. And so I had an opportunity to know our dorm mates. We were so segregated. Everybody was in their own little cliques and pockets. So we didn't know each other. So we used this time to get to know each other. And so this past October, we finally became face-to-face. And that feeling that you described, you know, with meeting that woman at the supermarket or whatever, was what we felt. It it was no uh, what your profession or what your accomplishments were. It was nothing based on politics. It was nothing based on, yeah. on ethnicity yeah. or whatever. We were just happy for the fellowship. And just, you know, being people together. just face-to-face being together. So it was, you know, so I, I felt that too um, after just, I guess, like you said, COVID or, or just being so tired of the divisiveness that's yes. going on in our country. Yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's it's a, a beautiful thing when yeah. you know because again, I, I think people on on you know on a one to one relationship or two to you know in, in a small small we're, we're all getting along and we've got to mm-hmm. drown out those voices of people that saying yeah. that we're. We're not, uh, you know, the politics again. Not to get to, I hope you don't mm-hmm. mind, but you know, oh, it's no, just, I mean, you know, what happened to people having uh, listening to each other and having different political opinions? What bothered me in 2016 on social media? If you voted for Hillary, unfriend me. If you voted for Donald Trump, yeah. un- unfriend you. Right. I mean, I've got, I want friends that have different opinions. Right. I, you know, I was talking with someone just yesterday, and 
And I said, you know, even at my age, in my 69th year, I still love the experience of, wow, I never thought about it like that. Right. I still love that amazement or that something new. It's hey. like, yeah, I didn't, you know, I don't want, I don't want to hear an echo. Learn new tricks. Yes, ma'am. I don't want to hear an echo of myself. I don't want to hear, I don't want to, wouldn't want to listen to somebody that had the exact same views as me. So I could say, yeah, yeah, I feel that way too. I want to be stimulated, I guess it would be the word. Intellectually stimulated. We we need that. As a matter of fact, I had a uh, staff member who was complaining about uh, some of my administrators, and she said, I wish they were all exactly like you. And I said, I'm Mm -hmm. grateful (laughs) that they're not exactly like me. You know, that's how we compliment, and that's how we achieve the things that we did with the different ideas and 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 you know so you you, you definitely have to embrace like you said the diversity of of ideas and thinking and and, and it's healthy to be able to it, listening is what's important yes thank you <laughs> thank thank you you know you know that, that that you said that it's interesting that you say that listening I, I active listening is what I always call active, not just not listening for a spot that you can get your opinion in. Mm-hmm. Not kind of, you know, I, I found I, I, a book from a, a physician that wrote Just Listen. And this yeah. is, he was on with me like 11 years ago, and I've asked mm-hmm. asked him back, Dr. Catherine Maddox, or listening about the conversation. We, we need to listen to each other mm-hmm. and with empathetic, a little, yeah. a little bit of, of empathy, like you were saying, mm-hmm. where they're coming mm-hmm. from, and not be so set in, in, in us. You know, so many people seem to be these days just waiting to get push their opinion and when, listen to mine you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, let's listen to each other <laughs> right. sorry i'm going off on that and again get the book orchestration and, and read it because it's such it is such an inspirational story i gotta ask you i i, I want to make sure I, I get this it's Smokey robinson <laughs> you gotta talk about Smokey robinson wow wow right wow uh, <laughs> I still, I love Smokey, and um, as, as a matter of fact, everybody who knows me kept letting me know, Smokey's going to be on a Lifetime movie this past Sunday, which he was. Of course, you know, I recorded it and watched it, <laughs> and, you know, and watching it, but um, I was a Smokey fan early, early on, Smokey and the Miracles. Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, I yes. definitely, uh, you saw, I had a, a friend, a neighbor who lived down the street, she was the one who was the the more aggressive one and I followed right in her shadow and thank God I did because we would uh, pretend like we were well that was my idea was to carry a little instamatic camera have a paper and pencil as if we were the journalists for our, our our junior high during those days it's not middle school but that's what we would do and that's how we would get in but the first time we just opened the door and went in and was in their dressing room and so we were able to do that for so many artists, wow, not only Smokey awesome. Robinson, the Supremes. Uh, wow. um, I don't know. Somehow I babysat Etta James's child. Now, I don't remember all the details, but this was, again, wow. I was in Smokey's, um, we were in his dressing room as a kid. And, and he was just, he always had time for us. I remember his beautiful? manager, somebody said, uh, no, you don't have time for this. You don't have time for this. And he said, no, these are my fans. This is the reason right. I'm here. Good. I, I love he that. was just always just a gentleman. And the first time I saw him, he kissed me on my cheek. So my father said, she ain't never going to wash, wash that face. cheek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you didn't for a while, right? It's like smoky. You don't want to wash the smoky off. <laughs> 
right? I mean, that had to be, you know, that's, oh, yeah. that, that's, that's wonderful. And when you find out that, that someone like Smokey Robinson would be that wonderful with fans, you know, one of the oh, yeah. things are they, they kind of forget who, how they, why they're living the life that they're living. It's because of we, with the fans <laughs> that buy their, I don't know, I guess not albums yeah. anymore, but, you know, uh, their music, right? Yeah. That's, and that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. right, again, yeah. writing about that. I've got some people that are emailing from the audio. Why am I not mm-hmm. asking you about, I'm, I'm almost, any Korean foods that you, you like? Oh. I, I, I'll, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I've got, I've got my, my pens in a kimchi jar over here. I make kimchi at home. I love kimchi. Oh, go wow. to Chang, go to Chang, the, the, the spicy uh, mm-hmm. bean paste that I, uh-huh. uh, that's wow. one of my go-to things. If I yeah. don't know what to put in something, it's like, I'll go, I, my yeah. thing, when in doubt, go to Chang it. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Any thing with that Korean culture kimchi, for you. Japchae. Japchae yeah. is one of my yeah. favorites. I have made Japchae. I haven't made kimchi yet. I've had I have some friends um, and there's a group called Hapa Nation that is a group of, of mixed Koreans. Wow. Yeah. And uh, they uh, sometimes have sessions where they get together and make kimchi. Um of course, the meats. I'm sure it's better than mine. I'm sure. I'm sure that their kimchi is better than mine. I was surprised how simple it is to uh-huh. make a, a simple, <laughs> basic kimchi. Yeah, it's it's kimchi is delicious. I, oh. As a matter of fact, I can mix kimchi with soul food with my collard greens. There you go. With anything, right? With that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a, thank you for that. I hope you didn't mind that question, but I, you know, people are even asking, "Why are you asking about kimchi? No. Why are you asking about yes. kimchi, Louie? Why are you asking about kimchi?" Because I'm okay. always that's a, that's a staple. I have some in my refrigerator now, so I, um, I get the napa, but my my preference is the radish. Yeah, I like oh, the, radish. the daikon. I like yeah, the chewiness of the, the radish. radish though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. I, it's I, hard to find sometimes. So. It is. It is, mm-hmm. and I, I I I love it. Once I figured out how to to make it. Um, my wife's not a fan, and my wife does not like the smell of it. I have to right. tell you, she's very, very pungent. People either <laughs> like it. I find that people either really, really like it, yeah. like can eat it with anything, like me, mm-hmm. or right yeah. out of the jar, or mm-hmm. they really dislike it. Yeah, <laughs> don't even yeah. like the aroma. No. Well, I'm on the like side. So. I'm on the like side. Also, <laughs> I appreciate that. The, the, uh, so many wonderful things that people have written about the book orchestration, and I love that that. Uh, Gibb, Dr. Gibbs, uh, piece, my Rumi's memoir was not only a history lesson, but an awesome account of the amazing person that she has become despite her humble beginnings. When you think about what was going on back in uh, Korea back then, again, a lot of young people know. I have to say, I, have to say, I, I was very ignorant of what was going on with, uh, with, with the baby. With, I, I was not aware until I read mm-hmm. Orchestration. Yeah, uh, and you're talking about the being the uh, number one export. Yes, and the and the yes. you know I, I remember I remember reading about uh, about what was going on you know years later in Vietnam, mm-hmm. but I yeah. didn't was not aware. Right. Oh yeah, it was the number one export. It was oh. it was an exiling you know yeah. of children, and it went on and it got exposed right in 1988 um, Seoul Olympics. That's when the whole world kind of yeah. found out or learned more about that. That was the number one export. So they definitely the baby. 
I must right. say that they did a lot of things there to at least reconcile or make up for that. So um, they're at a point of offering dual citizenship now for those of us who, you know, were born in Korea. And uh, if we're, you know, uh, amenable to, to having dual citizenship, which is something that sounds very interesting to me. I do plan on going back. My sister and I, uh, my uh, half sister and I, are going to Korea. Hopefully, I don't know. This COVID stuff is still yeah. up and yeah, down. Yeah, don't so know. I'm hoping yeah. that we can go. Uh, supposed to go next October. So I'm hoping that um, you know it's more welcoming. Yeah, I, I hope so too. That when the my line about COVID since spring of 2020 is the one thing I know for sure is no one really knows for sure. Yeah, right. yeah we just don't. Yeah, yeah. we keep hearing variants, and they say, "Well, yeah. it's, this one's not." We don't know. Right. We don't know. Yeah. So we can't. Yeah, it's it's difficult to to plan something yeah. like that. But I hope you you get a chance to do that. I know the book is available everywhere and everywhere online. We've got links up. Mm-hmm. Again, folks, I ask you to, if you can, patronize uh, uh, local booksellers. I know there aren't too many independence uh, uh, booksellers in a lot of areas these days, but Barnes & Noble certainly can have orchestration for you. Sandra Henderson wins an incredible book. And I, yeah. I again, I don't, I, I get people who say, why don't you listen to audiobooks? Why don't you listen to I, I, I'm a voracious reader. I love okay. to read. I need All to, right. maybe yours would be the first I'd go into as an audio to hear you, you read it because I've got to believe it's so, hmm. so powerful. As long as I have some Kleenex nearby for, <laughs> for parts of, for parts of it, yeah. right? Yes, yes, yes. Everybody but, who has told me they've read it said that they, they needed Kleenex, so. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, hearing it. And, and a lot of things to laugh about, so. Well, again, early in the book, I, I can remember when I was starting to read and, and, and you know, the tear would drop once in a while. I wouldn't even be thinking that I was tearing up. Mm-hmm. I'll say, I'm man enough to say crying. Yeah. Well, some of it, some of the, how well, powerful that's it was. Been, that's been the blessing of it. I've had so many males and this is, you know, all ethnicities as far as just calling me and letting me know the impact it's had on them that they couldn't put it down. So that really, so it's not like a chick book type of thing, you know. Oh, no. it's something, <laughs> it's not, <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, you know, a lot of times people, some men, men are too macho or yeah. think oh, something yeah. is well, whatever. Yeah, and yeah. it is something that I think is for everyone. So, it is. Um, yeah, and even teenagers, I have uh, some teenagers who have been reading. I have a little nine-year-olds told me i'm on chapter seven i was like wow, oh my that's goodness beautiful. <laughs> yeah well, i think i i one of the other things that i think is so important uh sandra i think is that the reality is people can see you know so many people want to define trauma as mm-hmm. their 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 life and and yeah. i we're gonna be, we're getting close to the top of the hour i, I, I want to mm-hmm. be brief with this I, you know again not comparing anything i was sexually abused as a kid i don't like when people say well, you're a victim. No, I was victimized. I'm in mm-hmm. the 69th year. This is when I was right. a child. It, it, it doesn't define my my right. life. It, you right. know. It, you know. Um, I, I just and what what and I look at your life and the successes that you've had and your career and all of the things. I could see somebody wondering how you couldn't wouldn't just be spend your life crying in a corner with what you experienced early mm-hmm. on. Yet look at. Look at how you went from surviving to thriving. Yeah. And I think that's a yeah. beautiful, beautiful part of orchestration. Mm-hmm. Look at you and look at you today and, and your life today. Yeah. 
and sharing that sharing your story with the world which is so important yeah, I appreciate it. I love that surviving to thriving. Uh, you need to to do a blurb. <laughs> well, I've, I've, that's what you know. I, the, when I talked, when I've talked about the abuse, you go from survivor to thriver. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, you don't yeah. say as a as a victim. And then, yeah. well, I survived. You know, I just never liked that. Well, you survived sexual abuse. Well, of course, I, I shouldn't say of course. I, I mean, I know mm-hmm. there's children that are killed, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah. But of course, I survived. But then, then what? Right. It's like, whew, I'm out of there. Okay, okay right. now what? <laughs> now you, it's time you to thrive. Have to make a, dec- <laughs> a, a decision. talk about yeah. making a decision to live, to, to choose live. life. And I chose to start. I, that was something I remember very early on in Korea because I saw so much death around me. Yeah. So many children dying. So I had to stop and choose life and do what I know I needed to do to, to live. And to, to be able to thrive, as you sense. So. Yeah, which is absolutely, again, a beautiful and beautiful part of it. I, I just think that's, that's great. We've got a number of links up. We've got to Wordy. Uh, uh, we've got that link up. We also have to orchestrationthebook.com, orchestrationthebook.com. Yes. You're a delight, and I hope you'll, you'll do the gig with me again. Oh, of course. I enjoyed you so much. I, likewise, I enjoy you and your story. Again, orchestration is so important and so inspirational for people. Thank you so much, Sandra. Thank you, Louis. Ladies and gentlemen, Sandra Henderson Wyndham. Again, get the book, read the book. The book is fantastic. She is just an amazing, an amazing, amazing lady. Uh, honored to have her on Louis B. Free Radio Show, Brain Food from the Heartland. I'm up with Meg next. So if you can't handle hearing me sing happy birthday, oh, stay with me. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.